to this episode of Fat Girl Book Club. For this episode, we read the book Hashtag Very Fat, Hashtag Very Brave by Nicole Byer. Before I jump into telling you a little bit about my guest and a little bit about the book, let me just let you know about a couple of things that are happening here on the podcast. So the first thing I want to let you know about, just in case you didn't know, I have started a new Instagram account just for the podcast. So if you go onto Instagram and you jump into uh, Fat Girl Book Club Pod, that's where I'm hanging out lately. Uh, the old one that I used to have, I Wish I Were Me, is still going. But what will be on there is a lot more stuff about body image and maybe a little bit more stuff about my dog, just in case you like cute dogs. Uh, So it's not going to be quite as much about stuff that's happening on the podcast. So if you're interested in the guests, you're interested in the books, uh, you're interested in those questions that I throw up there every now and again, then you need to be into that Instagram account. Uh, It'll be down below in the show notes, but It is a Fat Girl Book Club pod. Uh, The other thing I want to let you know about is that I have merchandise. I don't know if you guys have checked that out yet, uh, but I have a couple of things that if you are looking for a way to support this podcast, thank you. (laughs) And, uh, you know, jumping onto that website and purchasing something from there. It would be really great. Uh, So there is uh, mugs and water bottles and um, a little like a pencil case, which I would say put your bookmarks in and then a tote bag. So for more books, basically just things to carry books in and things that make you comfortable while reading books is kind of what you can get on there. Uh, There will be a link to that in the show notes. Another way you can support this podcast, if you don't have it already, is there is a freebie, a free resource for you around body image. So if you're not already on my email list, if you go to IWishIWereMe.com, again, that will be in the show notes, you can grab your copy of the Better Body Image Checklist. And doing that gets you onto my email list. I promise I don't send a lot of emails. In fact, there will be very few emails that you will receive from me. Uh, so you need to make sure that you go in and make me not a junk contact because I really don't send out that much. If you get onto my list for the better body image checklist and get that resource, you're going to end up getting, um, four emails for the book club every month. You're going to end up getting basically five emails every month. So not a lot of emails every month. Uh, hopefully that is something that makes you happy. (laughs) (laughs) And the emails you do get are very, very substantial. They're not small emails. Uh, You do get quite a bit of content in them. So So if you're looking for another way to support the podcast, then getting on my email list does really help me out. Uh, Also, if you're not already subscribed to the podcast, that would really be appreciated. And if you want to see me do a happy dance, uh, then please do leave a review. That also always really helps. Let me tell you a little bit about the book that we're about to read. So hashtag very fat, hashtag very brave also has a subtitle saying the fat girl's guide to being hashtag brave and not dejected, melancholy, down in the dumps, weeping fat girl in a bikini, (laughs) which is just such a wonderful subtitle. Uh, The little blurb I've got here is from Amazon this time and it says if you've ever seen a fat person post a bikini shot on social media you already know they are hashtag very brave 
because apparently existing in a fat body in public is hashtag brave. I, Nicole Byer, wrote this book to, one, share my impressive bikini collection and my hot body with the world, and two, help other people feel hashtag brave by embracing their body as it is. In this book, I share my journey to becoming hashtag brave, give you my hot tips and tricks on how to find the perfect bikini, how to find your own hashtag bravery, and how to handle haters, and serve you over a hundred bikini looks. She definitely doesn't, doesn't disappoint. You get a lot of pictures of her in a bikini, which is awesome. My guest is Amy Rapone. Amy and I met on Clubhouse, and you're going to get a few guests on here now from my, uh, I don't want to say short-lived experience on Clubhouse because I plan to go back. I've just been so busy, but I've met a few people on there, and so I have gotten some great guests out of Clubhouse, and Amy is one of them. So Amy Rapone is a fat-positive registered dietitian in Connecticut with her private practice, Rad Love Nutrition. She practices from a health at every size aligned space, offering recovery from disordered eating and eating disorders, as well as respectful weight neutral nutrition care. I, I know you're going to love this conversation because I really did. Not only did Amy and I have a lot of fun, but we also explored some of the deeper aspects of this really cool book. So I hope you enjoy my discussion with Amy Rapone. Hi, Amy. Welcome to Fat Girl Book Club. Hello. Thank you for having me. Uh, let's start. So I, I normally always get my guests to start with a little bit about their journey and how they got there, but in the spirit of this book, so the book we read was hashtag very fat, hashtag very brave. And she does her own little story in there and let's do the same timeline she uses. So let's start with baby hashtag brave Amy. Sure. <laughs> um, so I guess my compared to hers is very similar, right? Until I was two years old, I did whatever and whenever I wanted. I didn't really care, at least as far as I remember, because, you know, I was two. Nothing really came up for me then. Yeah, that one was a really easy one. Yeah. I was like, oh, yeah. I, can, I can do that. Yeah. Everything is usually pretty, uh, pretty simple when you're a kid. You try well, a new thing. The next one might be a little harder. Child hashtag brave Amy. Yeah. So um, I come from a family of big women and big people in general. And so I think I probably started thickening up uh, at around age five or six. Mm -hmm. Um, I was enrolled in dance at five years old and did that for eight years. Mm. Uh, So that was a a nice outlet for me, Mm -hmm. but it was always quite apparent, particularly as I got older, that perhaps my body was a little bit shaped a little bit differently than everybody else, especially when it came to like mm. costume season, when we had to get our costumes for the uh, big event at the end, our recitals. And so I always kind of noticed that I looked a little different than other people did in there, a little rounder, perhaps, um, which probably is, I would say, after that eight year mark is the thing that made me step aside because I kind of got into that, you know, I was probably 13 or so. Mm. And so I was in that mindset where oh yeah, I'm not okay with, uh, with looking like this in front of people anymore. So it wasn't that you didn't like to dance. It was that you didn't, the difference was what made you leave. I think so. And I think probably a little bit of a rebellious 13 year old (laughs) extracurriculars I was doing at the time. Um, where I was just like, yeah, I'm not doing this and I'm not doing that. I'm not doing this. And so it just kind of fell into that category, but I absolutely love to dance. You know, I was never forced into it. You know, I, I adored it. I did hip hop and jazz and, you know, as one of my favorite things. Nice. And still is. I danced right before this podcast. (laughs) 
okay, well then moving into teenage years. So teen hashtag brave Amy. Yeah, so teen hashtag brave Amy was an interesting time. I probably started to hide my body a little bit more than I did before. Um, I was definitely like an alternative kid. Uh, Hot Topic was like my place to be. So huge wide leg jeans that were all ripped up and always soaking wet to my knees when it rained, you know, big (laughs) t-shirts, big ball, metal ball necklaces and stuff like that. Um, Probably kind of trying to keep people away for the most part. Um, But certainly the teen years too is when I started to get a little bit restrictive with my eating habits. Mm -hmm. You know, I being in the alternative crowd, we uh, skipped lunch a lot and just kind of ate outside. I didn't eat breakfast. And then on, you know, binged later on the evening would sneak food. Um, My mom worked in the school system. She was always a dieter, same my aunt, the same way. Um, and my dad worked second shift. So he wasn't home. We didn't really do family meals except for the weekend sometimes, usually on Sundays. And so, you know, I kind of never, no one ever really told me that my body was wrong. I don't like have a big memory of that. Uh, it was just always my perception as being a larger woman in a family of larger women, that's just what we're supposed to do. Mm-hmm. It's just always kind of uh, not eat certain things or, you know, be picky about the things that we eat. I did go to Weight Watchers probably as an older teenager. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was probably my first start into things like that. Um, and then I met my now husband at 15 years old on AOL Instant Messenger. Oh. Um, <laughs> I was living in upstate New York. Um, and, you know, we started chatting then and just instantly I got unconditional love and appreciation for him. And I think while not ideal for, uh, from a feminist perspective, uh, feeling that safety certainly always kind of helped me feel, you know, sexy in my body and feel okay with how it looked no matter how it looked because I knew it was always wanted and I think that that had a huge impact for sure um you know helped me grow into it myself for sure as well wow so did your mom and like you were saying you came from a family of of larger women were they also all dieters for the most part yeah it was always a constant um you know my aunt uh, had diabetes. And so I think that that was a little bit more of an, and, and not by probably any fault of her own, but just what she would always hear from, you know, physicians and people who have a certain idea of how people with diabetes, how they should eat. And so I think that she took that on a lot Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. to kind of know that, you know, so it was always kind of an undertone narrative of like sugar-free chocolates were okay. And regular candy wasn't. And, um, you know, that kind of thing. And again, never really anything that pushed on me, but more observed to know that, okay, this is just what I'm supposed to do um, throughout the time. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, seeing how all that plays out, then I guess the next is millennial hashtag brave Amy. Millennial hashtag brave Amy. uh, You know, I've lived with my parents for a very long time. My dad, unfortunately, passed away several years ago from cancer that was a really actually pivotal uh moment for me and appreciating my body for what it is but rewinding that a little bit more at 22 is when I married my husband at that time um and so I think a lot of people tend to get caught up around wedding 
injecting stuff <laughs> yeah. with wanting to change their bodies and all the stuff that goes along with that. So I was doing all the bridal boot camps and all that kind of jazz to kind of get my body size down. And actually remember one point I was like, if I keep losing weight at this rate, I am not going to fit in my dress. It's going to be huge and I'll have to pay for alterations. So I'm just going to do whatever I want till the wedding comes. Mm -hmm. And that tend to worked out for whatever <laughs> that was at the time. And then I also, I was working uh, for a small business at the time and I had just gone up to full time and they wanted to get me insurance, which uh, because they were a small business and because of my BMI, I was denied uh, for them to be able to contribute to a health insurance plan for me. And so at the time, uh, I was very grateful when my boss said, uh, you know what, I know that they won't do this. So let me help you. Let me pay for a gym membership instead of insurance and help you, you know, improve your health that way. I'll get you hooked up with a trainer. She can help you how to eat as well as changing your body. And, um, you know, at the time that sounded great. Looking back on it, it was a little messed up, just not accepting, you know, of me and being, and I think she just felt bad and I, I get that. But so, yeah, that was, that was a big point for me too. And even after I had started going back to school to be a dietitian, um, even during that time, I didn't have insurance before the Affordable Care Act was uh, initiated where, you know, BMI was an exclusionary um, aspect to everything. So, you know, it was, yeah, I, that's probably where a lot of my own uh, issues with the medical world come from is that when I didn't have access to it, I didn't go because I wasn't going to pay out of pockets for it. So, well, and you see the interesting thing about that is, so I'm in Canada, so our healthcare system is very different. So sometimes I don't quite understand how your guys' system works. So I, I oh, me too. <laughs> Well, because everybody here is enrolled, right? We're all enrolled. Right. So if I needed to go to a doctor, I could go to a doctor. But I do have to pay out of pocket uh, if I'm not covered with insurance or benefits. If I have, um, you know, if I have any prescriptions that I need to get, uh, if I need a specialist, that is still all covered underneath our umbrella. So you know, luckily all those things are. Uh, but if I needed an ambulance ride, they would charge me for that. Like there are certain things that are excluded that I would be. But I don't think that that's quite how it works for you guys at all, right? Like if you don't have any kind of health, like if you're not paying into anything or your employer isn't paying into anything, can you go to a doctor? Can you get medical care at all? Uh, you can go, you have to pay out of pocket. Okay. Now is different. Now is a little bit different. Right. Uh, right, I right. mean, I mean, not really, I guess. <laughs> um, you know, there's actually, uh, we get dinged if we don't carry insurance mm -hmm. uh, on our taxes. Mm -hmm. I think that's still a thing. If I'm not wrong, oh, wow. guys, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not yeah. up to date on this necessarily. Right, so right, if any right. of that's wrong, feel free to question yeah. me and I will agree. I understand <laughs> that I'm wrong, but for sure there's a, you know, there was a time when I was just straight up uninsured. And if I wanted to go to the doctor, I'd have to pay out of pocket. Yeah. And I still have quite a few medical bills that I'm trying to catch up on. Wow. 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 So I can totally understand why, because a lot of books and a lot of, um, social media and stuff talk about this with healthcare and not, not going. And, and I mean, I can understand even for us Canadians, why we wouldn't go because there's still a lot of fat phobia in the system. Uh, but this adds a whole other level. If you can't even, uh, you know, if you can't afford to go, that's just, that's wild to me. Wow. Okay. Okay. So what else was going on during this time? So you, you're getting married. Yay. Yeah, yay. Um, 
and so what they give you uh, <laughs> they give you a gym member. I don't mean to laugh. It was, no, it was. they it's were laughable. trying to be kind. Yes, they sure. were trying to be kind, but you know, living in this world we live in, yeah. Um, they were trying to do what they thought was best. So they've given you gym membership and health training. And then you decided to become a registered dietitian. How did that come about? So when I was somewhat successful with that weight loss, um, you know, on a very short-term basis, as most weight losses, um, majority of weight losses, my husband, you know, I was kind of done doing the work that I was doing. I was working in doggy daycares and, you know, I worked for a small practice in a relatively well-established and you know, pricier town. So we, you know, I made an okay wage, wasn't great by any means, but I knew that I wasn't going to be able to grow into anything within that industry unless I wanted to own my own place. And I didn't know that that was really something I wanted to do. Mm -hmm. And so I was considering going back to school for something. I didn't quite, I was trying to figure out what, and my husband said, well, you know, you've educated yourself so much on all this nutrition stuff and movement. And why don't you go back to school to be a dietitian? And then I worked a very short stint at a uh, skilled nursing facility uh, and met the dietitian there. And I was like, oh, all right, that that sounds good. I could probably make that work. You know, not asking how much money she makes in a year. Right. Um, That was certainly something I didn't really realize. Um, But I, uh, you know, so I was like, okay, it actually doesn't sound too bad. So I went to a couple, uh, I applied to a couple different colleges nearby and went to University of St. Joseph in West Hartford, Connecticut, uh, and did all of my undergrad there, did all of my uh, internship, all my graduate work there. You know, it was good. I was, I've, it was a smaller school. So it was nice because Mm -hmm. I didn't feel like a number and, you know, I could kind of get myself established there and people knew who I was. Um, Mm -hmm. So that was nice. And then, um, you know, I went on to do traditional work, right? The, the Hayes world did not come into play for me quite yet. I was working for a gym, (laughs) which was a a wild situation and, um, you know, kind of had me a little bit in a weird relationship with exercise at that time. Cause that was also when my dad was sick and, you know, there was a lot of, Oh, you should come and like kind of burn your depression off. And I'm like, yeah, no, that's not how that works. Uh, not what I'm going to do right now. Cause I was working like for free classes for a while, essentially. And then eventually uh, she had asked me to come on and um, work for her both uh, as an assistant and for the gym. And so uh, you know, became a very complicated situation for a lot of different reasons I won't get into. But um, after I was finally felt like I could get out of there, mm-hmm. it really screwed with my thoughts around movement and what that meant because it was primarily mm. like a lifting boot camp ish gym. And I love lifting. It's like one of my favorite things in the world. You know, hill sprints, no thank you. But I'll, you know, the, you know, lifting heavy shit is like, I loved it. Um, and so now I have a kind of a weird relationship with that. I, towards the end of that, I finally had got my RD and did my internship, all that jazz. And I became pregnant with my daughter. And so I was like, I was nauseous every day. (laughs) And I'm like, sorry guys, peace out. This is not going to work for me anymore. And that was kind of my out for a while. And during my pregnancy had a fair amount of uh, weight stigma. I really wanted water birth, which the hospital that I was planning on giving birth at had, but because of my weight, you know, they were like, well, I don't know that we'll be able to do that because of your BMI. And I was like, okay, 
sure. And so um, I hired a doula who was very familiar with plus size bodies and was incredibly supportive to me. Shout out to Melissa. Uh, she's amazing uh, at Diary of a Doula, if you ever want to check her out. Mm-hmm. Um, I amazing woman <laughs> to this day hired her for the second kid because I was like I can't do this without you um, my husband absolutely adored her because he was able to go to her instead <laughs> of me and be like what should I do <laughs> and she was wonderful for that and so she was able to kind of like talk me down or talk to uh, other providers that she had more of a rapport with than I did just from working with mm-hmm. so many other people in the past to being like you yeah, it's not cool like you can't do that And then, you know, gave me the option and the permission to say, if you're not happy with this practice, you can go to another practice. I had felt weird about it at the time. um, So I chose not to do that. But, um, you know, when the day came, ultimately, uh, I had an issue with hypertension. So I wasn't going to be able to go into the uh, laboring tub anyway, because of uh, having having to have some IV medication and going into false labor for a little bit and, you know, or prodromal labor really. And, um, you know, so it was kind of of a stretch in general, but ultimately went really well, started breastfeeding, lost a whole lot of weight, told myself I'd never gain what I, or weighed what I weighed before. Cause I didn't, I didn't gain very much during my pregnancy. Um, you know, I was nauseous all the time, so I just didn't really eat that much. Um, And, you know, always that thing was because you're burning a whole lot more calories with breastfeeding. So, you know, I was like, oh, I'll never be able, I'll never go back up to that weight again. It'll be great. Of course, that didn't happen once I stopped breastfeeding. Um, And I started working uh, at a hospital system at that point. I worked in oncology for a little bit um, with cancer patients and uh, moved on to working in a more full-time position doing uh, regular inpatient hospital work and, um, out some outpatient work too. It wasn't a very thriving outpatient thing in the hospital, but, um, it was nice for what I did. And then I listened to the food psych podcast. I don't know how I stumbled upon it. I don't know how it all came to be, but somehow Christy Harrison came into my life and my glass, the glass shattered. And I was like, what am I mm-hmm. doing? Do I even want to be a dietitian anymore? This is all yes. <laughs> no wonder my body didn't do anything that I asked it to do all these years, even though that's really why I went to be a dietitian to finally figure myself out so that I could be skinny finally. And so I was incredibly fortunate because a sister hospital, which was only 10 minutes down the road from my house, uh, had an eating disorder unit and an opening opened up. And so I was able to get that position working full-time in a inpatient eating disorder facility um, for which I felt like, okay, is it perfect? No, but I can definitely talk about haze until my eyes turn blue and I'll be okay here. I had an amazing psychiatrist who was the medical director there and always had my back in everything that I did. So that was wonderful. And there were two other amazing full-time dietitians that were, you know, always on the same boat. So that was incredible, Um, especially for the eating disorder field isn't always as haze as we would like it to be. Mm -hmm. Um, Unfortunately, then a year and a half later, the unit closed right kind of in the middle of the first year of the pandemic. So yeah, uh, that brings us to uh, current hashtag brave Amy. Yes, yes, yes. (laughs) Go for it. Um, So at that time, I 
opened up my, um, my practice, Rad Love Nutrition, uh, eventually after kind of taking the summer off with my kids, tried homeschooling. My husband is a stay-at-home dad, um, so he's kind of always available for the kids, which made this an incredible process to be able to do. And so, yeah, I just do virtual uh, work out of my house doing absolutely what I want in Hayes work. I do work sometimes at the hospital now and usually just makes me mad every time I'm there um, because of the medical fat phobia that goes on. But I still I'm supported to kind of do it in my way and what I feel comfortable with. So that, you know, that helps a lot. Wow. Wow. Yeah. No, it sounds like you've had I love that it was a podcast, like shout out to podcast. Yeah, right? <laughs> that was like the, the glass mm-hmm. shattering for you. Uh, and so when you hear the first couple of episodes and you're like, holy shit, like, whoa, mind blown. Did you, did that, like, did you go and do some type of training? Is there type of training that you can do to kind of add it into what you're, what you already know, like your knowledge? Sure, not base? really. <laughs> There's a lot of trainings out there. Nothing really. So there's one thing uh, through IADEP, which is the International Eating Disorders something, Association of something. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. It is incredibly Mm -hmm. cost prohibitive prohibitive program to get certified in. um, And you have to maintain uh, their membership costs as well as the costs of like 2000 hours with supervision which supervision is wonderful you know it's great but uh it can cost a lot of money in the long run so being able to do that and then um you know keeping up with the costs of because they require you to go to a seminar or their conference every few years which you know sometimes it's in florida not really close to my house so you know that makes it a little bit tricky um and so it just i should have done it I, at the time I really had wanted to do it while I was inpatient because I was working full time. So I had direct patient care on a regular basis, but I'm kind of grateful that I didn't um, as we continue to learn more about the organization and um, with my really trying, trying my best anyway, to step up into anti-racist work. You know, they don't have a very representative staff um, and have caused harm to some trans folks that I know that were working with them before. So I, uh, I'm kind of grateful to not be, you know, have gotten right. into that. Right. You know, if I did, I'd be making change from the inside for sure. Um, but I'd rather give my money to other people. I, I kind of want to explore that a little more, but I think I want to move into the book because the book was fantastic and hopefully we'll end up kind of circling back around to some of these topics. Uh, this book, hashtag very fat, hashtag very brave, is mostly made up, like the majority of the book is. Nicole Byer in a bikini. So I wanted to start. I, 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 this was, it was like a magazine mixed with, you know, like some really good information and it was so funny. And, but so I want to start with, with bathing suits and bikinis and how have you ever worn a bikini? Have you, what's been your relationship to bathing suits, to swimming, all of those kinds of things that she kind of explores in here. Sure. So, you know, being in uh, coastal New England, uh, you know, swimming is definitely a huge part of my life. I'm a water baby because I'm also a cancer. So I, you know, water's just my, my jam. Hence why I wanted to give birth in, in, bath, in bathtubs. Um, but I, uh, bathing suit wise, you know, when I was little, no worries. I don't even know though, if I was little, if I was ever in a bikini, 
I don't know if I have pictures of that, but um, as I got older, I was definitely more of a let's wear shorts and a t-shirt kind of girl because I was always kind of a tomboy anyway and always kind of not wanting to show my body. You know, even in the summertime, I didn't wear shorts. It was either long pants or nothing. And then I kind of evolved as I got older into the, the tankini world, right? I had normal, you know, bathing suit bottoms, and then, uh, you know, a long, usually pillowy or flowy kind of top just to hide everything that's meant to be hid, right? Quote, unquote. Uh, and then I've only just currently, as I'm like vacation planning for this summer, like I'm kind of into the bikini thing. I think I might do it. So I have this beautiful bee belly. And so where waistlines are on me a lot of the times don't always add up how I would like them to. So I'm very cautious to like look at those high-waisted ones that I feel like could work better for me just because I'd be more comfortable mm -hmm. but I, I definitely have my eye out on some however I did buy my first crop top recently which I feel like is adjacent to bikini and means I'm working on it <laughs> love it I love it I think um uh, one of my guests I think it was Kaylee Highland came on and she was talking about how she has all these like goals that she set for herself in terms of her body acceptance and you mm -hmm. know one of them was to to get out onto this runway show uh that did uh larger bodied people modeling lingerie and she want that was kind of one of her goals and I sort of thought that's so cool that you have goals like that like I don't have I've never sat down and said okay well I think the next step in my body acceptance journey is going to be yeah. to you know and I so I love that I love that you bought a crop top I love that you're thinking about a bikini I think that's so wonderful I love it when people yeah. do that <laughs> Yeah. I mean, most of the time I'd just rather be a naked person, but that's not yeah. socially acceptable these days. <laughs> yeah, they kind of frown on that. They and it do. doesn't matter on size of body. Normally it's just if you're naked. Yeah, just in general. Yeah. Yeah. That one I know is not necessarily a fat body thing. That's a, like, nobody should really be naked outside no. right now, but yeah, you yeah, know, that's a thing. So. I do it in my house. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, one of the other things she talks about in this book specifically is body movement. And I really wanted to touch on this because I think it's such an important topic. So she talks about how, you know, she started swimming when she was a kid and then um, she just kind of gave it up because she didn't want to wear a bathing suit. She didn't think anybody should have to see her body. So she stopped doing that. Uh, she talked about going to a Zumba class and having it be a really, really bad experience. Mm -hmm. And then she tried pole and she loved going to pole dancing and she said she wished somebody had told her sooner that she should just move her body not to burn calories not to get skinnier just to move her body because it feels good and so I would love to know your relationship to body movement too and whether or not you've ever tried pole dancing sure so I've never tried pole although Nicole Byer is also an avid or at least trying to be an avid roller skater and I did go to a roller skate rink recently you know kind of by her inspiring me to do so and a uh, a derby girl in uh california named shove who has some awesome videos with moxie skates um on fat skating which i absolutely love um and so between those two i was like i'm gonna put on some skates and i just laughed with how much i felt like i was so out of control and not doing what i wanted to do at all but i'm <laughs> I'm, <laughs> I'm dedicating myself to like learn it as a skill that i want to learn um because i think a lot of my years with movement I, you know dance was always a whole nother ball game for me like i just love to dance i'm a kitchen dancer um you know my body's always moving you know that's that's a no-go or no 
not no go. <laughs> That's not what I wanted to say, yeah. but uh, no problem. Like that yes, was always yes, something yes, I yes. was always going to do, you know, no matter what music's on, it doesn't even have to be on and I'm always <laughs> moving. But like Zumba was never really my thing because it was kind of a little too. I had to follow people. And the ones I went to were like incredibly large groups that I didn't necessarily love. But yeah, I mean, between, you know, my mom would always kind of send us outside, but I was always more of a performer when it came Mm -hmm. to that. Like if I'm dancing, there's usually a lip sync or singing going along with it where, (laughs) you know, I'm just ready to make something happen there. Um, And so I would be outside dancing and singing all the time. And then as I got older, you know, I became kind of just maybe go for walks in the woods every once in a while. And uh, that was about it. When I had a dog, um, I got a dog at 16 or 17 years old um my beautiful pointer and she was incredibly active lady and so I had to (laughs) take her we went on hikes all the time and so that was really supportive to me at that time I didn't really think of it as real exercise at that time and so but then that's kind of when the gym stuff started to creep in there too um when I was really starting to equate movement with how my body looked how it could change you know, doing a little bit more body checking in the mirror to kind of see, oh, this muscle pops a little bit more than another Mm -hmm. now. And maybe looking with more of a critical eye than I had in the past. And so when I had my kids and I was able to leave that kind of more toxic gym environment, I've really taken a pretty big step away from movement in general, which I, I know that in my body and I can feel that like I could use movement because I know it would make me feel better, you know, and now that I have more clients, so I'm sitting in this desk chair a lot more all day long. Um, certainly, you know, I feel like I have to incorporate something a little bit more. And so I'm kind of on that journey to find what those lateral things that I could do. So like the skating or um, something that's kind of, I, I would love to get back to lifting, but for whatever reason, I have some kind of mental block with it that I'm trying to assess. <laughs> try to get through because I really, really miss it. Um, and just kind of figure out how I can get back there again. Yeah. I hear you. I did, um, I did two bodybuilding competitions. So lifting was always a really big part of my life too. And I, I feel like I'm on the same, a similar journey. I, uh, I'm slowly starting to incorporate movement back into my life, but I am uh, like hyper cognizant of the fact that when I start to move and I get that kind of structure happening that I am like, Oh, well, I should do more. I should do more. I should do more. And so I am hyper cognizant of that. And it is creating a big block for me to actually, uh, um, be able to get the most value out of it because not I am getting value out of it, but I'm also berating myself for not taking it a step further when, I know that rest on the flip side of body movement is rest and rest is just as important as body movement. And so, yeah, yeah, no, I hear you on trying to find that right, that right balance. And, and also going back to something that you love, but knowing that you, you don't want to do it in the same way that you did it then can be, um, kind of, a uh, an interesting transition. So, and finding a safe place to do it. Oh God. That's another one. Like, I just don't, I'm not, 
like I'm way and not that I can't tolerate it if I wanted to I just don't want to have to just be berated with weight loss messages everywhere I go exactly so so much of gym culture is diet culture and so you know it I've yet to find a place local to me except for maybe one person that might be a little bit out of my cost reach although I'm really Mm -hmm. trying to work on that Mm -hmm. um, that I can reach out to to just start to do it again that doesn't have to uh, revolve around changing how I look just getting to be like Meg Bach, um, that video that Meg Boggs does of her uh, push-ups, mm, you know, of mm-hmm, just like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I don't care if I lose weight. I just want to, you know, she does like a Russian accent about wanting to beat <laughs> up a bear or something like nice. that. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's it. Right. Like yeah. when you lift and you lift heavy, you feel so like, it's not a feeling of invincibility, but almost where you feel like oh, yes, yeah, almost, you can take it yeah. on. Right. Mm-hmm. You're, 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 yeah. It's, it's a physical, um, representation of what you want to have happen in your life where you can take on whatever it is that life is throwing at you in terms of challenges. So totally yeah. get you totally yeah. get you. And I'm the same way. It's a struggle. I moved back in with my parents. <laughs> God help me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm living back where I grew up and it's a fairly small town. There's not a lot of places here to, uh, if I was looking for a safe environment, I, I, I do what I need to do at home and I'm c- completely comfortable with that. But I do sometimes wish I had access to a gym that I didn't feel like, you know, that I was being constantly watched for changes in my body or was people were going to come over and say, oh, you should be eating keto in order to see the gains that you want to see. Well, no, fuck you. I'm not doing that for that. You know? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Cause that gym that I was working at, you know, the owner was a huge low carb proponent like she had done research like she had her doctorate in it (laughs) like and I'm honest about that like she really had her doctorate in low carb eating um and so between that and then feeling like she always expected me to be the perfect before and after because I was in such a large body and committed to, you know, working out and that I could be that ultimate like change that could, she could advertise me. Oh, the thing oh my goodness. Within. Yes. <laughs> yep. And so, you know, that was, I kind of, I didn't, it took me a while to realize that that was likely what was happening. And so it got gaslit there a little bit, but. Well, I mean, and at the time, from your timeline, you hadn't encountered food psych at all really until <laughs> So how would you, like, I can remember going to the gym and getting so many compliments and loving it. Like it, like, mm-hmm. this is why you do it. You know, when you're, yeah. when you're that ingrained, I mean, at the time I was, I was probably full. Uh, that was the height of my eating disorder, but that is one of the reasons why I kept coming back. I mean, the first reason was that I was socially isolating myself completely. And the Mm -hmm. only safe place I thought I had to go for anything was the gym. So I'd spend four to five hours a day there without not even blinking an eye. So when somebody Mm -hmm. would come up and give you compliments or someone would come up and give you suggestions, it was like, yeah, like this is why I'm here. Like, this Mm -hmm. is why I'm here. It's the only place I could come to that. I know that I I'm doing what I'm supposed to quote unquote, supposed to be doing. And I'm being rewarded for doing that. Mm -hmm. Oh, so frustrating. She quote in every single um, uh, picture that she's got in here. She t- she has a uh, what does she call it? Worst case scenario for for yeah for fatties, I guess. Uh, mm-hmm. So I'm interested as you're reading through those. Did any of yeah. those strike you as the worst, like the absolute worst thing that could happen? So most of them were because uh, worst case scenario, like for me. Um, 
is definitely like the, the i think it was page 88 where she said in a bathroom in a bikini what if i sat down on the toilet and broke it out of the wall that one was like oh my god i've had that thought so many times in my life yeah. and like that's like my worst nightmare and then of course on the bottom it says this happened to me in 2019 and i was like oh my god it can happen and it's just you know those ones that don't have a base to them and they're just attached to the wall they make me real yeah. nervous especially yes. when there's already like a little bit of separation from the wall happening so that one was just like a real life slap yeah. in the face like yep i feel that one real hard i wrote that one down too i was like that one for sure yep. for sure yep and then uh, page 101 where she said, uh, do I have to say it? I mean, what if this insanely huge, nasty body broke the fuck out of this Ferris wheel mid-wheeling, you know, where the Ferris wheel would just go off like on, on yep. some rides, especially when I was younger, I had those thoughts. You know, I don't really go on rides so much anymore. My stomach can't quite <laughs> handle it like it once did. Um, but yeah, I've always had those thoughts of like, what if I, like, what if I break something that's going to affect other people? And then it's like yeah. something I have to live with forever worst case scenario thinking in that way too for sure yeah 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 i mean i obviously this was all comedic sure you know but there were some like that those in <laughs> yeah. particular it was like anytime she talked about breaking things it was like okay yeah totally mm -hmm. like i would totally worry about yep. that now she does so all these pictures she's got all these pictures all these different ones in her in different bikinis different poses uh, were there any of these pictures that made you feel uncomfortable or were there any of these pictures that you think at the beginning of your journey would have made you really uncomfortable? So I, that was like, when you had sent me that question, I was like, mm -hmm. Hmm, let me sit with that for a minute. So I know right now, no, like fat female bodies are beautiful. Fat, all fat bodies are beautiful at this point to me. And I really feel like I really started to think back in being like, <laughs> I don't think so because I feel like mm -hmm. I was always able to aesthetically appreciate my body. Even if there were things that I wanted to change, there was never any question that I wasn't sexy hmm. for whatever that reason I love is. That. Um, you know, I always dressed to be comfortable because that was how I felt most comfortable was when I was going to feel most sexy, not just how I looked. And so I, you know, kind of thinking back and I was like, you know, we were pretty, free-bodied house like I always saw my mom in her larger body if she was walking around from the bathroom to her bedroom or something and mm -hmm. I never thought anything ill or you know for lack of a better term like disgust or uncomfortable about her body it's just how it is and so yeah it I think I was just kind of always I was never in that mindset about looking at bodies in that yeah. way Oh, that's so, I love that. I love yeah. that. So did you ever find like, like I know for me, looking back on my childhood, I was a big magazine junkie. And when Facebook first came in, I was a big, like, I, I would follow all the, um, you know, uh, fitness gurus. That sure. was a big thing for me because bodybuilding. So I would follow all them. Mm -hmm. Um, so those were where I got my main messages in terms of what a body should be and why I shouldn't feel good about my own. Mm -hmm. uh, where, like, did you find that any of those messages were coming through for you through your earlier years? So I think for me more so than aesthetics, because I never really cared what people thought I looked like so mm -hmm. much I think that a lot of mine in wanting to change my body and change my weight was around health 
mm, and okay. what, what yes. that meant. So like, yes. um, you know, while being in a smaller body is certainly, you know, going into a store and being able to buy whatever I want. Sure. That would have been lovely. Um, you know, I think that was a big thing for me. I was a big uh, Delia's catalog girl when I was little. And, you know, I remember it, it's, it was always about fitting more so than what I looked. And like I was when I was in middle school, I was at like a Caldor, it was like a department store. And I remember having to be in the juniors, uh, the top of the range of like the juniors in order to buy a pair of flare pants, like pair of flare jeans. And I was like, it was embarrassing to be like, these are still a little bit snug. And I'm in the junior section now in middle school, feeling like I was already at the top of the range you know? Mm -hmm. And so I think that that's where that always kind of came up for me. And that if there was something that I liked that I thought was cute, that I wanted to be able to wear, the options didn't seem available to me because the size would only go up to so much. And so, you know, or even like when I was a hot topic and I saw this really cute graphic shirt that I wanted to wear, was it particularly sexy? No, but you know, if it was too tight, I wasn't going to wear it because it just didn't feel comfortable. Um, And so, you know, it was really more about fitting in and and health outcomes i think we're really more mind than being aesthetically pleasing to people yeah yeah no i i love that and i think that's wonderful i i'm, <laughs> I'm glad everybody has different experiences it's great but when I look at these pictures, there's so many that I think I would have felt uncomfortable with when Mm -hmm. I first started my journey because of all the images I had had about what a body's supposed to look like, you know, quote unquote, supposed to look like. So I'm looking through it going, okay, any of the ones where she's with food, a thousand percent, Mm -hmm. any of the ones where her belly, like, because I have a similar shaped body, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, protruding belly, um, smaller legs than belly. Like I, I mean, I don't have what did she say? She says that she has really small titties. I don't have those. I have pretty big boobs, but, but we have similar kinds of bodies. So when I'm looking at some of the positions she's put in, like when she's on all fours and the the belly is kind of, I'm like, I would have been so uncomfortable with this as Mm. beginning to look at things that changes when you change your social media feed that changes when you stop looking at magazines, this changes when you start, Mm. you know, because now, like you say, I look at it and I'm just like, this is gorgeous and so much fun and just great like I just love it so much but and I have to say too other than like the cover and I think maybe a handful she's either in sneakers or barefoot or a flat sandal Mm -hmm. (laughs) and that's really where it is for me because I am not a heels person I'm usually a barefoot person or a sneaker person (laughs) and so being able to see somebody in like these suggestive poses that don't involve heels which sometimes she wears heels when she's doing pole um but most of the time she's barefoot and I'm like, this is what it's about. I want to, like, that's the part that really pushed it forward for me. I was like, you don't have to wear some kind of stiletto craziness to like look cute in a bikini. And I wonder too, how much of, because of what you were consuming for bodybuilding competitions. And so much of that is like the bikini, right? I wonder if that association there was big for you. Oh, so much, yeah. so much, so much. I'm so glad that that time in my life is over. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so she mixes up these pictures. She has two pictures where she talks about, uh, she has a picture of a thin woman. Mm-hmm. And she basically says, there's nothing wrong with these women. They're allowed to be this way. They, they're, this is, you know, it's totally fine, uh, but it's not hashtag brave. Sure. So why is it not brave? Uh, and what does bravery mean to you? this might ruffle some feathers because so here's the deal right Uh, my personal opinion 
when it becomes this hashtag brave, especially which with what I think Nicole is trying to put out there, is that it's socially acceptable for someone in a smaller body to wear a bathing suit. People don't blink an eye at it, right? It just is what it is. It does not mean that the person who's currently wearing that isn't having incredible turmoil in their head about being uncomfortable or being an object or whatever those things may be going on for them or that they you know have some body dysmorphia that they feel they're a whole lot larger than they are um you know i think that there's a big difference there between showing up loud proud in a fat body particularly for people who are in black bodies which are you know for years have been you know told that their sizes are not <laughs> that their bodies are just not acceptable period end of story um you know to be uh in that situation is brave because we don't see it day to day and if we do it's headless without you know with some kind of weird commentary about the o word obesity and you know or that they're on the cover of a, a people magazine saying which celebrity gained all this weight with you know their bikini body who could this be who looks like this now and so you know instead of just and usually their bodies are usually regularly you know straight size still too mm -hmm. um to say that you know this is just a, a still a beautiful thing and she's loud and proud and unapologetic about it yes and what do you think like, is that what being brave means is, I think, is being unapologetic and being out there? I think so. I think, and, and a little bit of, you know, doing it for people who don't feel comfortable to do it yet. I think that that's also a bit of a bravery <laughs> to show that it's okay to do it yeah. and that yeah. it's shitty that people tell you that you can't. And so yes. to be that voice to being like, yeah, you can do it too. Here's the ways that, you know, all the lists that she has out and all the troubleshooting that she has out. And this is how you buy your bikini. This is what you say if people are rude to you. This is what you say, you know, if you're having trouble with yourself. Also, if you're not there right now, that's okay. You know, like she has all of that laid out in the most beautiful way, considering, you know, because we have to remember she's not like a haze professional or anything like that. She's a comedian who, you know, is just talking about her lived experience in L.A., you know and that's you know so i can't imagine you know and it's it's a wonderful thing that she can yeah. have that kind of insight without you know and i can't you know for all i know she's you know been to seminars or trainings but I, something tells me i doubt it she's got other things going on she does a million podcasts so <laughs> you know she's a busy lady Which, yeah she really is she <laughs> you know really is. she's got a lot of stuff going on so I, i'm doubting that that's really what's going on um and so, you know, I, I think that that's amazing that, you know, just from her own lived experience, she can kind of put that out there and be like, yeah, no, this is, you're cool. Like, this is what you need to do. Here's all the troubleshooting to get through it and, you know, take it for what it is for you. Yeah. I loved it so much out of all those things that she, cause you're right. There was so many things, like I wrote down. 10 different things that she kind of touches on like fat fashion. She talks about trolls. She talks a little bit about boundaries. Mm -hmm. There were so many different things like you were mentioning um, that she touches on which one of those things uh, surprised you the most. And which one of those things did you really enjoy the most? I mean, honestly, I would say the, the last page, is it the last page? I mean, not the, the end page, but 
you know, because she actually has legit prompts in here for you to say, okay, so these are the steps. What are you going to do? Right. And I think that that's huge to kind of put people in that position to really think about it. Um, you know, but that last, you know, five list thing that are t uh, tips for the rest of your life, love your body, you're in, love the body you're in, you know, move your body, not to lose weight, but to, you know, get your endorphins. Cause it feels great. You know, look at yourself naked all the time. Uh, speak to yourself in a nice way. And if you need help, reach out, you know, like, and that's really what it's all about is those five things. Even if you just kind of started there or even just started with one of those five things, make a huge impact in your life. Yes. 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 Well, she finishes that kind of off saying, what are three things you're going to do for your body every day? Kind of to, to, to express your love to your body for it. Um, are there three things that you do every day to express your love for your body? So I do them regularly. I don't know that I, I don't like do them daily as a routine necessarily, but like I said, I love to perform. <laughs> and so like, I'm a little bit vain in that way. And so, you know, I might like take a selfie of me, like going, what's up? And like, just a little wink at myself or like a damn girl kind of thing in the mirror every once in a while, which always makes me feel good. Moving my body in whatever way feels good, you know, however complicated that may be, even if it's just dancing in the kitchen and moving my hips, like that's the thing that connects me the most is the central area around my hips and my like solar plexus, whatever they call it, you know, that really kind of centers me a little bit and kind of gets me into a whole nother world that I love, or even just if it's a day where I'm like, all right, today's going to be a day where I just do some deep breathing because that's what I need right now. And then another one is, again, this isn't necessarily a daily practice, but like taking like a body oil that smells really well. Usually I like lavender stuff and just kind of on those spaces where maybe doesn't get the most love, like my belly or my hips or my butt or my thighs, and just kind of giving that some love with a little body oil and getting more things warmed up a little bit. Oh, that's lovely. Lovely. Yeah. I'll have to try that with the lavender. Yes. Uh, okay. So I'm going to ask the final question. I normally ask all my guests. Is there anything else about this book that you want to make sure we touch on? I think the biggest thing is that, you know, when you're reading this book, understand that a lot of it is sarcasm and her being a comedian and not you know while there's incredible truths and uh advice in here at the same time you know it might be a little bit jarring if you're not used to looking at people and speaking about fat bodies in that way and owning the word fat like she does um if that's not comfortable for you yeah, maybe put it on the back burner for now until we read some other things and start to get a little closer into your own body. Um, because it can be a lot for people who aren't used to it. So I kind of suggest going through your social media feed a little bit and kind of getting used to fat bodies first. Um, not that there's anything wrong with looking at her body. I think that it can be great, but can be triggering for some people. Totally agree. And I think that that's where I found the most jarring too, was not, not the use of the word fat. Cause I've come to terms with that. I sure. am fat. I totally own it. No, no worries. But <laughs> she says things like bat wing arms and big scooping foot and hoof like hands <laughs> yeah. and arm flaps and fat ass. And, um, she makes derogatory comments about even the, the food that she's supposedly eating in the book. Like she talks about eating people and donuts yeah. and, and all sorts of, and, these were things that I guess I haven't quite owned yet. 
you know, like I, I recognize I, I'm very like when I'm talking to, to family members and we're discussing logically, I'm like, well, you can't put food into this good, bad category and you can't, you, you know, and, and no, don't think about fat bodies like those. They're the only ones eating all this quote unquote junk food like yeah. I, on a logical basis. But I've never taken it to the level that she has, which is total sarcasm mm-hmm. and very funny, but also owning it. She's like, yeah, so what? My hands are fucking exactly. fat. Like, no big deal. Who cares? It's just description. And I'm like like mind blown it was mind blowing to me and wonderful and funny and (laughs) yeah and I think I wrote that same thing down because I was like thinking about you know like how people could maybe have a hard time with how she is speaking in the book and I'm like it's really is a so what situation so what my body looks like this so what you know I eat this so what I move my body in this way and I'm totally owning my sexuality so what all like all of the above right like and just putting out there that she is just who she's going to be and I think maybe for me too and it's hard to know you know I've always been a lot in the comedian you know I've been a comedy nerd for quite a bit now and so I've listened to her work mostly listened um to her work on through podcasts for years and so i'm kind of just used to i think if you don't know nicole buyer it might be a little bit harder (laughs) to kind of wrap your head around um but for me because i've you know and you know she's a a absolute lover of drag which kind of puts this whole thing together too of where like she's big into a wig and she's gonna get the makeup done and she's gonna do all these things to kind of you know help create the illusion there and um you know i think just listening to her in podcasts and speaking so bluntly to people especially her uh, why won't you date me podcast she puts it all out there about why he's not you know why why am i not in a relationship yet like what's going on what's wrong with me and so um you know, so she speaks about herself derogatorily in just how she kind of speaks to herself in that way but you know she always has a guest on that's very supportive of her and she's very beloved by so many people and so I think that that's that's the hard part because you know that she she feels that love and it's just not what she's looking for um and yeah interesting interesting too so yeah I think so interesting to not really know her might be a little bit tricky to dive into yeah. this book right away listen to a couple podcasts first I think I've listened to one of her podcasts and I, she was on, (laughs) this is funny. She was on wheel of fortune. Not that long ago. They did a celebrity and I was like, Oh my God, (laughs) I have her book. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. She hosts Wipeout now. She does that. If you've never seen her on, um, nailed it on Netflix where she does a baking competition show of just regular people who are doing baking stuff and um, usually fail at it every time um it's absolutely <laughs> incredible there's been like three or four seasons of it now there's love it. not in the mexico one but it's spun off to have like a mexico nailed it oh, and funny. um i highly recommend her as that especially if you're not like a person who likes swearing or cussing all that much there's not so much going on on that show because it's on netflix and meant to be a little more right. family friendly um yeah. but you know that, that's a good oh, way to fun. introduce just her as who she is <laughs> Right. Oh, fun, fun. Well, I'm glad because it sounds like her projects are all reflective, like this book of her Absolutely. really fun, funny personality. I loved it. Yeah. And and I love that. Like, yes, you can look at it kind of a surface book, and it's quite funny. And and if you get the sarcasm, it's just funny. But on a deeper level, there's so many other things to talk about. Like we've just shown. Like there's so many, so much more there. Absolutely. Like it's, it's actually a deeper comedy than just 
what what we're listening to so or what we're seeing so yeah super cool totally fun yeah Okay, well then let's end with my last question that I ask all my guests. So a friend of yours just finished reading this book and they really loved it. And they love these ideas of, you know, loving yourself just as you are and being okay with yourself the way you are. What would you recommend they read next? So I I have a couple. So I think uh, definitely number one is the body is not an apology. If you're looking to read about somebody in a black body who's not afraid to be loud and say things how she is sonia renee taylor is definitely that person another one could be too is a lot less you know the body is not an apology is not really comedic by any means but jessamine stanley's first book to everybody yoga is a really Ah, one that kind of explores things in a similar way there are some there's a lot of um her doing her thing yoga wise in you know not a lot of clothes either so it kind of gives you that same experience of of a fat black woman doing you know just kind of showing her body in a way that maybe we're not used to and speaking to her experience with you know dealing with being in a larger body most of her life if you're looking for a little more social commentary with the comedy part pretty much all of lindy west stuff so like shrill or the witches are coming i think would be a great read too if you're looking to just hear a loud fat person talking about because she has a lot of that comedic uh play she's been in the comedy world for a long time lindy has so i think that you know a lot of that certainly comes into play in her writing so i think you would see a lot of that there and then if you want to go a little bit more out there and you're really just digging the comedy stuff um, some a book that's not really similar it doesn't really have to do with a whole lot of you know i mean body confidence in a way right so not necessarily how you would expect um but there's two drag queens trixie mattel and katya who are my absolute loves and adores and nicole byers actually very good friends with them they came out with a book not that long ago called trixie and katya's guide to womanhood and you know not necessarily Hayes friendly, you know, Trixie kind of likes to call herself a quote unquote skinny legend, but again, kind of comes from that sarcasm <laughs> part and just the idealized standards of gay men in this society too. But I think it's a great funny read that, especially if you know anything about <laughs> Trixie and Katya and you haven't read that book yet, definitely. And they have a ton of content out there too uh, on YouTube. If you are ever so interested in just seeing funny people be real, uh, it's, it's amazing. Well, sounds great. Sounds great. I'll make sure that I always do put all these books that any of my guests recommend in the show notes. So they will be down below. Um, so to finish off, Amy, why don't you tell people where they can find you, what you've got going on right now? Sure. So, uh, I have a private practice in Connecticut working with primarily people, uh, in the state of Connecticut called rad love nutrition. Uh, it's a virtual practice. You can visit me at www.radlove.nutrition.com. I'm at Instagram at radlove.nutrition. Um, that's kind of where I hang out the most. Uh, you can find me on Facebook at that same name if you'd like to. And yeah, that's I think that's pretty much it. Oh, that is awesome. Again, all that will be in the show notes. So thank you again for being on Fat Girl Book Club. Thank you so much for having me. This was fun. What a great conversation about that book. I Again, this book was super fun and it was meant to be super fun. But as you can see, we got a lot out of it, even though it was meant to be a really fun book. The takeaway that I'm going to have with this episode is what Amy was talking about 
or I guess the question I had asked her about what are three things that she does every day to express love to her body. And she talked about taking fun selfies. She talked about moving and she talked about using lavender oil. And I'm going to think of my own three personal things that will help me to express love to my body and try to incorporate them more into my life. What do you think your three things that you can do to express love to your body would be? Just a last minute reminder that if you don't already have the free resource, your better body image checklist, it will really help to give you some practical things that you can do to help with your body image right now. Thank you so much for listening. You don't know what it means to me to have you listen to this podcast. It's a big deal for me. So from the bottom of my heart, thank you for being here. Keep reading everyone.